What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Dr. Michael Falk, and I'm going to be hosted this, hosting this episode, and I'm joined by my wife, Dr. Lauren Falk. Today, we're going to share our experiences as both athletic trainers and physical therapists and try to walk through some of the differences between the professions because it can be confusing. This should help any athletes that are wondering how they should utilize athletic trainers and physical therapists, any prospective students that are wondering whether they should go into athletic training or physical therapy, and hopefully it will also help some of the professionals between athletic training and physical therapy get along more, respect each other better, and utilize each other's services more effectively. I think you're going to enjoy this episode and hopefully take a lot away about these two great professions. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. It's Dr. Michael and Dr. Lauren that are here today, and we're going to talk about a common question that we get from people about what's the difference between athletic training and physical therapy. This is a question that we get um, from high school students a lot that are thinking about career choices. We get it from just students that were training in the clinic, and we get it from the public quite a bit on how should they best utilize the athletic trainer at their high school versus coming in for physical therapy? So um, this is something that we've been thinking about recording a podcast for a while. And there's a couple of things that have happened recently that have kind of sparked our interest. And we figured now is a great time to just record this so that we'd have it to share so that hopefully it can be a reference in the future for people that are wondering what's the difference between these two great professions. So maybe let's start by why are we qualified to talk about this? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think you could have two more qualified people because we both spent a large majority of our the beginning of our career as athletic trainers prior to going back to school for physical therapy. So I was an athletic trainer for 10 years in the Division One setting, and Michael was with the Packers for a handful of years as well. I'll let you do the math on that one for everybody. <laughs> Lauren started as an athletic trainer at Marquette when she was 10, so that's um, that's why she was able to uh, work for that long uh-huh. before she went back to PT school. So I interned there, did a graduate assistantship at Louisville, <laughs> and then came back to Marquette to work there. So no, I haven't been there since I was 10. <laughs> so essentially, I, I don't know where a good place to start is. I think it's there's there's a lot of overlap between the professions, so maybe... Let's start with what the overlap is between the two professions, because I think that's where a lot of confusion comes from. So from your perspective, what do you see as the overlap of what we do at both what we used to do as primary athletic trainers and then now what we do as a physical therapist? I mean, I think where a lot of the overlap occurs is in rehabbing athletes. I mean, athletic trainers will discuss the educational differences a little bit here shortly, but they do have... um, educational backgrounds, uh, you know, some classes in therapeutic exercise, but obviously physical therapists delve much deeper into the world of therapeutic exercise and what that is on some levels. But, um, you know, I mean, I think athletic trainers are expected to do what it takes to get their athletes back to activity. And that often includes exercise. Um, and so that's where it tends to kind of cross paths between the two. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the you kind of hit it, just the treatment of athletes, you know, working on the rehab setting where you're working with, um, 
athletes that are injured trying to get back on the field or you're doing things on the prevention side trying to keep athletes on the field Mm -hmm. i think there's definitely some overlap there i think you kind of mentioned like the training education i think it depends a little bit you know as physical therapists i mean we we didn't have an actual therapeutic exercise class in our curriculum um going through that whereas in athletic training you did but you as a physical therapist, you do get a broader knowledge, you know, um, maybe you end up doing the same exact things, but you have a better understanding of why you're doing those things. Does it make a difference in patient care? I think that's maybe questionable, but you know, I can tell you, okay, now I'm doing this because I'm trying to activate this neural pathway or whatever the case may be. It's deeper. Yeah. But is that relevant to the patient? Maybe, maybe not. So, I do think that there's some differences in training there, but I think that athletic trainers have a better background. You know, they're standing at practice. They are watching things happen and what your athlete needs to get back to. They know the physical demands of the sport because they literally see in front of their eyes every day and interact with those coaches and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. It's you have that mindset of what you need to get it, get back to. And so I think that that's a, I think that's where the overlap occurs. You know, now legally there's both sides are fighting kind of in turf wars um, to, you know, what's the scope of practice for athletic trainers? What's the scope of practice for physical therapists? What do insurance companies reimburse for? Who works with who, what types of patients and who's qualified to work in what setting? You know, truthfully, like those are, on a day-to-day functional level, like not really relevant for a clinician and not really relevant for a patient um, to take care of or, or to consider when they're deciding like, what do they do care-wise? Um, but I do think it leads to a lot of the confusion about like, okay, I, I can work with an athletic trainer at my high school and do some rehab. I could go to a physical therapist and do some rehab. What's the difference between the two? You know, if they're two well-trained, well-experienced, good clinicians, probably not very much. But there are athletic trainers that are fantastic and probably better at rehab, rehabbing athletes at least, than... Some physical therapists, yeah. <laughs> that's a nice way of saying it. And yeah, some physical therapists. Um, there's also some athletic trainers that just through their training and experience level probably have no business really doing a whole lot of rehab and should be referring that out. So, or honestly to time, you know, yeah. if you have, I mean, and I think this is something that people really need to appreciate about it, especially high school athletic trainers is there's like five or 800 kids competing in sports. And one of them, like I honestly, as much as people appreciate athletic trainers, I don't really think people understand how hard it is to spread yourself across multiple practices happening at once, hundreds of kids getting out of school and getting ready for practice and still being able to like give this kid their exercise to do and get this kid taped. And sometimes they're lucky enough to have students to help or things like that. But like, I mean, really they are spread so thin that I think it's truly hard to just expect of them to be good at crossing off every T and dotting every I in every situation, especially when it comes to exercise when they're very busy getting everything else done on the day to day. Yeah, I mean, athletic training is a skill set. Like you have, I mean, if you're at a high school, who knows how many kids, 
at a time that are coming so in to get everyone gets out of school at the same time, practice start at the same time, trying to get figure out who's doing what in practice and who's cleared and you're trying to tape this ankle. I mean, it's a juggling act. Like even um, at with my background was when I was on the Packers medical staff, you know, that's 90 guys during preseason, but there's a lot of summer interns around to help and multiple staff members during the season that, you know, decreases to 61, 62 guys. Um, and, we, and we still have a staff to take care of them. But even with that, it's a crush. Like everybody comes out of meetings, is looking for rehab, is looking for um, work before practice, is work, looking to get taped, etc. So you have to be exceptionally good at multitasking to kind of direct these people doing all these different things and still delivering a high quality experience and um, high quality exercise technique, a well thought out rehabilitation plan, and just get people, just physically get people ready to go participate in practice. It's, you know, often crazy. Mm -hmm. So that kind of starts to take us into the differences. And, And frankly, I think there's more differences than there are similarities. And I think the the especially in the legal landscape of what's the difference everyone focuses on the similarities and people don't look at the differences so in addition to just the time element you know like what lauren was talking about where an athletic trainer at a high school is trying to manage hundreds of athletes at a time whereas you know if you go in and see a physical therapist um at least in our setting setting, yeah in our setting it's a one-on-one setting uh where you have one patient for an hour you can focus on designing a plan, building out that day. What is that week, month, year? Get the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The big picture. Um, and, and having the one-on-one instruction aspect of it too. Yeah, exactly. So I think that um, I, I once heard the head athletic trainer for Stanford, and I don't recall his name. I'm not sure if it's the same person now, but he came to Marquette and spoke. And I think Stanford, to my knowledge, had... the way that they do it was the best that I've ever heard at explaining what the differences was. And so at Stanford, what, what they did, at least at the time that he spoke to us, which was probably five, six years ago now. So I'm not sure if it's still the same, but if an athlete was out, was predicted to be out for less than four weeks, I believe it was the athletic trainer managed it in the training room. And that was never referred to a physical therapist. If it was, if the athlete was predicted to be out at the time of injury, of longer than four weeks, then a physical therapist got involved to oversee the overall progression and, and kind of keep the big picture in mind. But the day-to-day care and rehab and exercises was primarily and treatments were primarily done in the athletic training room. But that athlete was meeting with that phys- physical therapist once a week, twice a week, once every other week, you know, the frequency depending on what the injury was. But to keep the keep the big picture, big, you know, big plan progressions, um, in mind and kind of oversee that whole case. And I just think that that model was something that always stuck with me and that I've used a lot to explain to people how these two professions can work together and and not necessarily compete. So I just always thought Mm -hmm. that was a good model. Absolutely. What other differences do you see? I mean, I think, I mean, People often see athletic trainers as the people who just stand on the sidelines. It looks really cool. You know, everyone wants to be there on game day, all this stuff. But I don't really think everyone really truly understands or appreciates what goes into that. You know, athletic trainers are the masters of acute 
injuries, and emergencies. And I don't think people realize that because they often get viewed as the people who tape ankles, but you are, you know, with your staff or your students, you're planning and prepping emergency action plans. You're practicing them. You are literally standing on that sideline ready for anything to happen. And to give you a concept of things that I've dealt with as an athletic trainer, I had a coach go into questionable cardiac arrest. I had a liver laceration. We had severe concussions. I had an athlete go down with a seizure disorder. I've had a leg fractured into multiple pieces. You know, literally people picture us as the tapers, but really you are literally there for medical, orthopedic, even emotional injuries, literally down to the nth degree. And you have to react at a moment's notice and know your resources and how to use them and how to act quickly and thinking on your feet. And that is honestly like the amazing part about athletic training. Those people think so fast and they know how to put all this together and they literally save lives. And that is a huge thing that A, I think goes underappreciated, But B, I just don't think people understand that that actually happens. And those things were constantly running through our mind every minute that we're standing on the sidelines. Michael helped with, you know, getting people on spine boards and things like that. I mean, there's been, you know, very scary things that we've been a part of. And I think that those things just go overseen at times. Yeah. I mean, recently, and part of what spurred this podcast was um, at one of our clinic locations, we actually had a not they weren't working with us it was a patron of the gym that we work in and he actually collapsed um, in full cardiac arrest and somebody came up to i was luckily in the clinic somebody there was no one else that was cpr trained that was there somebody came up to get me to come help this gentleman and, and save his life and you know as a physical therapist i'm required to maintain a cpr certification but you know in pt school we didn't have a single there's no emergency yeah. prep planning. <laughs> there's no there's no emergency action plan class. There's no preparation for emergency situations. Facility like, management, working with your staff to manage the emergency, things yeah. like that. But those are things that do happen in athletic training. Right, exactly. You know, physical therapists, we work in pretty controlled settings, like especially in outpatient orthopedics. I mean, yes, there's always the potential anytime you're doing exercise for some type of emergency to occur and, and all physical therapists are you know, medical professionals, they're trained. I'm sure people would handle it appropriately and, and do the right thing. But in that instance where, you know, a front desk person comes up and grabs me from my office and says, like, somebody's collapsed on the treadmill and, and isn't breathing, you know, that for me fell back on my training as an athletic trainer where every single year we drilled, what do you do in emergency situations, sometimes multiple times a year. I helped design emergency action plans for the facility of one of the places that I worked of where does EMS come in? Who calls who? Who does what? Where are the AEDs? And that those years of training and mentorship in those in those potentially life-threatening situations where you're constantly on edge anytime someone's in your building of what do I need to do in case X happens, it prepared me to react in that situation and thankfully save the gentleman's life and you know he's now home from the hospital and and doing well and you know that's the difference in my opinion like the biggest difference on a day in and day out basis as a physical therapist i'm primarily responsible for rehab rehabilitating the injury of the athlete in front of me i very rarely 
am thinking about could this person die right in front of me, right? Hit and or, sustain a life-changing yeah. injury or anything or like that. Or break their leg or anything like that. Um, and in an athletic consciousness. Yeah, yeah. exactly. In, in athletic training, like literally... That is what's on their mind all the time. Right. You're, you're rehabbing that ankle sprain. You're taping that ankle. But in the back of your mind, there's however many athletes there are that are physically active around whatever building you're in. You're responsible for those people's lives. And it's and medical. It's all the above. Like you have diabetic athletes. You have all these things that you need that to know. People that have bee stings and yeah. go into anaphylactic shock. Like you must be ready at a drop of a dime to Respond save someone's to life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think to me, that's the biggest difference. Just hands down when I look at my job now versus my job then. Um, biggest difference, 100%. And hats off to them for that yeah. because we've been there, we've lived it. It, I mean, it's it's exciting as much as it is stressful in terms of like being there through with your athletes through all the exciting times. But it is a very stressful job because those things do happen, can happen, and we've both been there when those things have happened. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I think kind of along the same lines, but slightly less significant than looking at potentially life threatening things um, or medical emergencies is just the uh, dealing with acute injuries. And I think that it's something, the more that we train students, um, and at our clinic we offer like a free injury consult, so we probably see more acute injuries than, than the average physical therapist, you know, things that happen within the last 4, 6, 12, 24, 48 hours or so. Um, as an athletic trainer, you're seeing acute injuries five minutes after they happen, as they happen, 30 seconds after they happen on the field. And you're trying to triage, can this person walk off the field? Do I have to get a cart? Do I need to call an ambulance? Can they go back in the game? Can they not go back in the game? Is this serious or, in, uh, or insignificant? And that's a skill set. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I take for granted now that as we've trained more and more young clinicians that are physical therapists that don't have a background as an athletic trainer yeah. you know if somebody comes in 12 or 20 hours after an injury like the next day and they sometimes don't know what to do they don't know how to process like how acutely painful they are how everything hurts like it the presentation often doesn't make any sense because everything is so sore and you're like I have no, I have no idea what to make of this. Um, but as an athletic trainer, that's what you do day in and day out is make those decisions. Like you're good. You're not good. You need to go to the doctor. You don't need to go to the doctor. You can go back in the game. You're out for the rest of the game. You can practice tomorrow. You're out for X number of weeks and you need to go see a, a doctor and we need to rehab this. And just that acute injury management is such a unique skill set. And it's something that most physical therapists, I'm not going to say all, but most physical therapists just don't have that experience of seeing things that acutely. Mm -hmm. I agree completely. The next thing that I think of is, um, and I'll give a shout out because I took this from one of my mentors, uh, you know, Brian Flea Ingle up in Green Bay, that um, athletic training is a mindset. And when it comes to rehabbing athletes, I see, we see a lot of physical therapists or we see, we see many athletes that have gone somewhere else for rehab before they find us, um, or that have had previous experiences in rehabilitation. 
um, and just talking to other physical therapists in the, in the field, physical therapy tends or previously and, and historically has tended towards rest for two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, and you're going to feel better and then go back to doing your activity. Keep it simple. Yeah. And while true that if you don't do something for a period of time, you naturally feel better. You're going to feel better. Um, often that injury comes back. Um, but with athletic training, the first question is often not what do I need to do to get this athlete to be picture perfect, but it's what can I do to give this athlete an opportunity to compete in their next event? Like, and that's the mindset. Whereas rather the first, the first question isn't how long do they need to rest, but it's often what can I do to get them back or what do they need to prove to me for them to play um, and be safe and not put them in, in harm's way, things like that. Um, I have found that that mindset has been something that I've carried over into my practice as a physical therapist now where, you know, it's we approach situations much differently and we look at what the goal is and we work backwards versus looking at, um, you know, what we think we see and relying on like a textbook. Well, this is going to take six to eight weeks to heal. So you just have to sit out for that period of time. Mm -hmm. And I think that as an athletic trainer, there's always things that the person can do. And we tend to focus more on that and like that goal. Cause there's, there's a game on Sunday. There's a game on Tuesday. There's a showcase in three weeks and it's, what can we do to get them ready? And sometimes the answer is absolutely nothing. Like they're not going to be able to play or they're not going to be safe to let them go back out there. And, yeah. and as much as we'd love to do it, we just can't. But rather than it's just the mindset of trying versus just saying like, no, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. So I think those are some of the biggest differences that I see. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And then, you know, the last thing is there's so many things that athletic trainers do that most people are just completely unaware of from, I mean, <laughs> all of the things that we did that nobody sees concussion management, packing for road trips, uh, phone calls at 2am, 3am text messages, yeah. coaches talking to multiple coaching staffs, talking to strength and conditioning staff coordinating everyone on each player's needs um, athletes driving themselves to the hospital at 4am without telling you and then you having to figure <laughs> out which hospital they drove themselves to so that you can go meet them just there's so many not to mention like factoring in on nutrition needs and wellness needs and drug you testing yep you become the jack of all trades on road trips like for me in division one like because academics couldn't travel with us, I had to help administer a test on the bus, plus do all this other stuff. Like, you better believe that you are literally, your hands are all in. You're doing everything. Yeah. If most people looked at, like, what's on an athletic trainer's daily task list. Oh, my God. It, you, would, you would just cry. You would just look at the list and just, just break down. Because mm -hmm. you wouldn't know where to start. And, and it's an extremely unappreciated profession. Absolutely. Um, I mean, just just the fact that they're there to keep 
kids safe is is the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, if they did nothing else other than acute injury management and you know life saving, um, you know, Measures. game and event coverage, that would be enough. But they do do so much more than that. They educate and they teach. Like we had athletic training students that we teached every day or taught, sorry, taught every day. You know, we, you have sometimes at high schools, you have other, whether it's high school or college athletic training students that are there. We participate in teaching classes as well as the work that we did in the training room. You're educating student athletes on their bodies and their needs as well as other students who are coming up in the profession. You know, you are literally doing stuff around the clock. Right. And so, yeah, it's a great profession, but I think because of everything that they have to do, it, it does at times, especially in certain settings, you know, th- they're being drawn in so many different levels. It's not that they're not capable of doing just muddies the waters specific, to do so much, right? Specific injury rehabs and things like that. I mean, a lot of them are very capable and qualified and, and there's definitely certain things that they should absolutely do because they don't even need to go see a physical therapist. But in more complex situations, um, even if they could manage it, manage it, it's just you know the question that they should ask themselves that um, you know athletes and things should ask themselves is just like, do they have the time to dedicate to this versus going somewhere else that um, does, and especially just more complicated scenarios that that needs more individual attention, longer term programming, kind of bigger picture thought process. It can be very helpful to have someone else involved to oversee that. And a lot of times we'll, we try to partner with local athletic trainers like, okay, great. Absolutely. We'll see you for, we'll see you once a week, once every other week, something like that. And then, Hey, go, go meet with your AT in the training room and here's your home exercise program. But I want you to go do it in the training room every day so that someone's there to watch right. you, help you through it, etc. And those uh, relationships and working together can be so valuable for the athlete and it results in better care at the yeah. end of the day and a team and, approach to their care. Yeah. And that's what, that's what matters. And I think that's what gets lost in a lot of turf wars or, or professionals that argue about who should do what and who's better at doing what, you know, it's really silly. And it's, it's honestly the professional's ego versus our philosophy at connect source medicine is that we always put the athlete first and we want to build a team around the athlete, but the athlete is the hub. It's the center. And everything that gets done needs to be in the best interest of the athlete. So, you know, the physical therapist, if you're not qualified, if you don't have experience doing end-stage rehab for an athlete that's going back to a sport, then you should get someone else involved. An athletic trainer might be someone perfect that you could lean on to try to help you um, get that athlete through that phase. Same thing as an athletic trainer. If you're getting pulled in 10,000 directions, you know, that's okay. It's okay okay to get to lean on other people to help you get those things done. Right. It's not that you can't do it. It's just, do you have the time to dedicate dedicate to that individual to do, uh, to, to build that big plan that that person needs to get them back to sport. So that's, you know, in a nutshell, our experience, um, and kind of our philosophy People may definitely disagree with it. Uh, I do think we have, Lauren said we're the best people to talk about that. I'm, I, I'm sure that I'm sure there's people that <laughs> there's are way smarter more, than us. Yeah. But uh, We know, can at least speak from experience. Yeah, we do have a fair amount of experience and, and have thought about this because we've both taught in the athletic training curriculum, training athletic training students, and we've taught in physical therapy curriculums, training physical therapy students. 
we both, um, you know, been clinical instructors for both athletic training students and physical therapy students. So, you know, we do have a fair amount of experience with this. So that's the big take home. If you're a professional that's listening to this, um, let the professional organizations fight the turf wars and deal with the legal battles of practice acts and who does what and reimbursement. And, you know, I would recommend for all of you to set your ego aside and put the athlete first and, and just ask yourself what's in their best interest. And if it's getting someone else involved, then swallow your pride and get someone else involved and do the right thing for the athlete in front of you. Um, and be good at what you're meant to be good at too. You right. know, like that's the thing. I think that's the beautiful thing is there are differences between each of these professions and be proud of that and be good at what you're meant to be good at. Right. If you're a high school athlete that's looking at this, go, you know, give your high school athletic trainer a high five or a hug or, or a box an of elbow, cookies. An yeah. elbow bump yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a Starbucks gift card or a box of cookies. Do the Starbucks gift card. They deserve it. Yeah. They're there to save your life first and foremost. Yeah. And, you know, when we have high school athletes, when you guys come in and, and are critical of your athletic trainer because they're not doing the things with you that we're doing, you know, just understand that we have one hour with you to just focus on you. They have 500, 600, 1,000 other student athletes floating around the building for. that they're responsible for in 15 minutes. So, yeah, they're absolutely not going to do have the ability to do the same thing um, that we are. That doesn't mean that they're not trained to. It doesn't mean that they're not capable of it. Just often they just don't have the equipment, the time, the resources, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. to do those things. If you're a high school student that's listening to this and we get a lot of people asking, like, should I go to AT school to be an athletic trainer? Should I go to physical therapy school? Um, I hope this is helpful to just highlight some of the differences in the field and what the differences are between the two professions. Because from an outside looking in, it, it can look very similar at times, um, but it's dramatically different. My job as a physical therapist now makes mm -hmm. does is nothing like my job as an athletic trainer. Um, I always thought I wanted to be an athletic trainer. That's what I went to school for. Never really was interested in being a physical therapist. Um, you know what? I have a family and I now can't imagine going back and doing what an athletic trainer does. I actually yeah. enjoy spending time with my wife on the weekends and at night and being able to be there to put my son down to bed and, and do these things. And, you know, just remember for your high school athletic trainers that are out there, just you know, think about what they're sacrificing to be there. And, and they're really there to be, it's a passion for them. It's something that they mm -hmm. love. It and, truly is a passion. Yeah. And they're really being there to, um, take care of you yeah. and provide the best care for you and make sure that you're safe. Yeah, exactly. So, so as you're looking between it, the other thing that I just advise any students to do is, is hopefully it continues to change, but there is definitely a cost benefit analysis when you look at years spent in school cost of education, potential earnings um, after you get out of school. Those are things that are very real and they, they really matter. And, and that's both for athletic training school and physical therapy school. There's pros and cons for each. But as you make those decisions, they're, they're real um, and, and it can make a really big difference. So in addition to just thinking about what you want to do in terms of do you want to sit in a clinic or do you want to stand on the sidelines all day, also do have an understanding of what are what's the commitment for years in school cost of education compared to 
your earning potential once you get out of school because those are things that are going to make a difference and, and affect your life in the long term. Um, so in addition to everything else that we talked about, just do keep that in mind as you try to take a path forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> anything else that we missed? No. I, um, you know, I just, there's, uh, you know, and I guess money and also just think about schedule too. When, and that kind of plays into the dollars and cents side of that, but realize too that like depend, and athletic trainers can function a lot of settings. You can work in an industrial environment with, you know, work-related injuries. You could be working in a physician's office. You could be on the sidelines. You could be at a high school. You could be at a college. Like there's so many places that they can function. But, you know, my experience is that it was a lot of hours. Um, nobody wants to hear the math of how much I worked in such a short period of time. Um, but just you have to know that going in as to what you're really willing to do and what is important to you. And to me at the time, as a young post-college grad, like I was all in on long hours and really enjoying my time with a team and working hard for those kids. Like I was hundred percent in and obviously now having a family, I enjoy much more controlled hours, um, and not being at the beck and call, uh, you know, of a team or things like that. But again, you know, there's trade-offs for everything and each environment brings you something different. So just know going eyes wide open, what your interests are and what that might bring. But, you know, so hours and money do come into that concept of what the bigger picture is for you, along with what your passion is. So hopefully this is helpful um, for multiple different people, whether you're a high school student thinking about what you want to do with the rest of your life, an athlete that's trying to decide where to go for care or other professionals that are maybe able to learn a little bit more about the other side. Um, I hope that you're able to take something away from this. I still consider myself, even though I'm trained as a physical therapist and primarily function as a physical therapist, I think both Lauren and I still consider ourselves athletic trainers first. And are very passionate about that profession. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's not a, a knock on, on anything. It's just something that we're very proud of. So I still almost always introduce myself as I'm an athletic trainer and physical therapist um, because I think that that mindset that I talked about earlier and, and just my pride for the profession what it does for people still carries forward and um so yeah i think that's about all we have to say yeah i mean we have huge respect for both yeah absolutely so again hope, hopefully everyone's able able to take something away from this and we'll catch you guys on the next episode Hey, Dr. Michael here. I want to say a sincere thank you for taking the time to listen to that episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. Dr. Brett, Lauren, and I are all extremely passionate about this podcast and trying to use it to help share high-quality, factual information and debunk some of the common myths and misconceptions that we see around athletic performance and rehabilitation. If you have a minute, we would sincerely appreciate you taking the time to leave a rating and review on iTunes or sharing this podcast with a teammate, coach, or colleague who you think may benefit. We want as many people to be able to hear and listen to this information as possible. Lastly, if you are on social media, head over to our page at MKE Sports Podcast or at Kinetic underscore SMP to follow us so that you get all the latest information. We love to engage, so leave a comment on this podcast. Tell us what you learned or feel free to ask us a question. We sincerely appreciate all of the support and we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Yeah.